This podcast is based off only true stories and real events. No names, places, or locations have been changed. This is where medical science is not only not settled, but rather unsettling. Because sometimes, only in retrospect can we see that we are science experiments. The swine flu vaccine fiasco tells the true story of how a few cases of swine flu at a military base in New Jersey snowballed into a massive and ambitious nationwide vaccine campaign to vaccinate, quote, every man, woman, and child with disastrous results. Back in 1976, Mark Ludvogel was a healthy, athletic high school senior in Kailua, Hawaii. He followed the advice of then-President Ford and federal health officials and took a swine flu vaccination that had just been developed that year. There had been so many government warnings of a deadly epidemic, he felt it was his patriotic duty. He thought he was doing the right thing. But just two weeks after receiving the shot, the young Mr. Wadvogel found himself paralyzed from the chest down. He developed Guillain-Barré syndrome, sometimes called French polio, which is a rare neurological disorder in which your body's immune system attacks your nerves. Weakness and tingling are usually the first symptoms. These sensations can quickly spread, eventually paralyzing your whole body, leaving the person unable to breathe independently. His doctors concluded it was caused by the vaccine. Two years later, in an interview with the New York Times, Mr. Wad Vogel, now 20 years old, was paraplegic, confined to a wheelchair for life, still awaiting for his claim to be compensated from the government for the injuries he sustained. But while it may be considered rare, Mr. Wad Vogel was not alone. He was just one of approximately 500 claims for Guillain-Barre syndrome from that one vaccine. Okay, so let's back it up a little bit. You might be asking yourself, what happened? What were the conditions that led to this? So let's go back to February 1976. That is when the first cases of influenza showed up. It began when a handful of recruits at a military base at Fort Dix, New Jersey, fell ill with what appeared to be an influenza-like illness. At first, they thought it was adenovirus, which caused an outbreak the previous month. But when one of the men, 19-year-old Private David Lewis, collapsed and died, after he was forced to leave his sickbed to make a five-mile night march, which was probably not a great idea, and it amazes me how many news stories leave that part out. So the young man was forced from his sickbed to make this five-mile night march, and after that, he died. They didn't know what he had. It didn't come back as a denovirus, so the New Jersey lab sent isolates to the CDC's Bureau of Laboratories. It was at the CDC that isolates were confirmed to be swine-type influenza A viruses. They thought they had something really dangerous on their hands. After all, it was an election year. They feared this was the same virus or a relative that caused the global 1918 Spanish flu pandemic that killed 50 million people worldwide and a half a million people in the United States. Well, they didn't know it at the time, but they were wrong. It would take several decades before gene sequencing of the virus that caused the 1918 pandemic would be confirmed that it was not swine origin, 
but it was avian origin, and even more recently, it speculated that the virus had a horse or some other mammal as an intermediary host. It's also worth noting that more recent autopsies on victims of the Spanish flu found that they died not of the influenza virus itself, but of secondary bacterial infections. And because this was a pre-antibiotic era, let's not forget that, and also many people were taking unsafe amounts of aspirin and aspirin overdose kind of mirrors some of the symptoms that the people were having like the profuse nosebleeds and bleeding out of the ears or the eyes i mean some of the symptoms are kind of wild to bodies turning gray and black and black spots and i mean when you start to look at some of these various symptoms that were being reported you start to wonder if there weren't maybe multiple things happening at the same time, um, maybe different viruses, bacteria. Some of it sounds like, I mean, they really thought that it was Black Death at the time, but that's another episode. Back to 1976. They made the grave mistake of deadly predictions that would never materialize. And in this case, like so many cases, the cure was worse than the disease. So while the World Health Organization urged the government to take a wait-and-see approach to allow things to unfold a little before reacting, the U.S. government urgently set out to make a new vaccine for this potentially deadly virus. The media echoed the government's premonitions of a deadly epidemic to a listening and captive American audience. By mid-March, 200 million doses of vaccines were ordered by federal health officials. President Gerald Ford was considering a flu immunization program that would be the largest in the country's history. Government experts backed by the recommendations of two advisory committees decided that all 215 million Americans should receive protection against the swine flu. But not everybody felt the same way. A microbiologist at the Mayo Clinic was quoted saying that the same swine flu virus that was so worrisome to the government had been isolated from a cancer victim. The scientists concluded that this virus may have been, quote, occurring undetected for years in America without causing the epidemic officials now fear. But behind the scenes, something else was playing out. The president of the Pharmaceutical Manufacturers Association explained that Vaccine makers would not make the vaccine unless the government gave them complete indemnity or complete statutory immunity. The whole vaccine program would fall apart if they were not released from all liability for all injuries, including death, associated with the shot. They wanted the government to assume liability. They wanted complete indemnity. And they got it. Drug companies also got immunity from liability in 1986 against every vaccine given to children today. For example, if your child dies or is injured by a vaccine, you cannot sue the vaccine manufacturer. But that is another story. So at the same time that the federal government released the vaccine makers from liability and they assumed it themselves, they also um, granted a request by the vaccine makers to, quote, lower the manufacturing standards in the way that it's testing measurements for impurities in vaccines. So that's, that's a pretty amazing thing. 
And now we get to the vaccine trial. So one of the four companies making the vaccine, Park Davis, had made a huge error. Among the 2.6 million doses that it had manufactured, an unknown number had been based on a similar but different flu virus. Some human test subjects were given the wrong vaccine in the clinical trials, which began in April and have covered 3,200 volunteers. 600 of them were children. And another piece of information that was revealed that somehow didn't deter the vaccine program was that when they looked at um, older people, studies had shown that they already had antibodies to the swine flu. And there also wasn't enough vaccine to provide so-called herd immunity in the rest of the populace. But that didn't stop anybody because it was an election year. Building up for the storm, public health officials predicted deadly outbreaks in the coming winter. Health experts estimated that the deadly virus could infect 50 to 60 million Americans. The CDC believed that at least 80% of the United States population would need to be vaccinated. Hospitals even suspended non-essential medical procedures, which is eerily similar to today. President Gerald Ford embarked on a zealous campaign to vaccinate, quote, every man, woman, and child in the United States. The very first swine flu vaccines became available October 1st, and it didn't take long before things started falling apart. On October 11th, three elderly people died shortly after they received the swine flu vaccination at the same exact Pittsburgh clinic. Two of the families allowed an autopsy, and it was found that they died of heart attacks. CDC epidemiologists investigated and, quote, found no evidence to suggest the deaths were caused by the vaccine. On October 13th, completed tests on the batch of vaccine used in the Pittsburgh clinic found no contamination. Pittsburgh health officials told reporters that there was no cause for concern. The CDC continued to support the vaccine program, as did President Gerald Ford, whose photos of him getting the flu shot appeared in newspapers on October 14th, just three days after the three elderly people had died. Now that, my friends, is damage control. But then the body count began to rise. The next day, a newspaper reported that 14 people in nine states had died within 48 hours of receiving the flu shot. And again, there was no evidence linking any of the deaths to the vaccine. Except a lot of people dying after a flu shot or any vaccine is literally evidence. But I'm no expert. But within a few days, more and more recently vaccinated people were dying. The number climbed to 33 on October 14th, and by the 22nd of October, 41 people were found to have died in a short window after vaccination. And then when you didn't think things could get worse, in December, another rash of injuries were making its way into the news. Cases of Guillain-Barre syndrome, linked to the flu vaccine, were cropping up all over the country. 94 cases of paralysis had been reported in 14 states. The majority of cases in recently vaccinated people, of those four people died. Just 10 weeks into the National Influenza Immunization Program, with nearly 25% of the U.S. population vaccinated, at that time that was about 45 million people, the vaccine program was finally and somewhat reluctantly suspended. The pandemic never materialized as predicted. 
only 200 cases of swine flu and one death was ever reported in the United States. Like salt in a wound, the incidence of swine flu among the vaccinated was seven times greater than it was among those who had not been vaccinated. The number of people who were harmed by the vaccine outnumbered the number of people who were harmed by the virus. In fact, all of the cases of swine flu were at the military base that started it all. There was absolutely no community spread. Over 40 people were reported to have died suddenly after the vaccine with no good explanation. Approximately 500 people developed Guillain-Barre syndrome and of those, 30 died from their paralysis. Several thousand more were harmed by the vaccine and little to none would seek compensation for their injuries. They never were able to find a reason for why the swine flu vaccine was killing people or causing serious life-threatening injuries. They couldn't find a contaminant, they couldn't pinpoint an ingredient or a bad lot. More recently in 2008, some researchers from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine in Philadelphia injected mice with some old batches of influenza vaccines, including the 1976 swine flu vaccines and vaccines from the 1991-92 season and 2004-2005 seasons and they found these vaccines induced anti-gangliocide antibodies, which are associated with the development of Guillain-Barre syndrome. The study suggests that the influenza hemagglutinin protein itself induces this autoimmune response. Let this story serve as an ominous reminder that only you have to live in your body. No government, no doctor, no scientist knows your body or your medical history or has to live with your choices. And to be quite frank, no health professional is going to lose sleep if you're injured. Where there is risk, there must always be choice. And let us not forget that every generation is sometimes and somehow failed by the next generation science. We are science experiments. Surprise, I'm back. Stick around if you want to listen to a 60 Minutes episode on the swine flu vaccine fiasco. The flu season is upon us. Which type will we worry about this year? And what kind of shots will we be told to take? Remember the swine flu scare of 1976? That was the year the U.S. government told us all that swine flu could turn out to be a killer that could spread across the nation. And Washington decided that every man, woman, and child in the nation should get a shot to prevent a nationwide outbreak, a pandemic. Well, 46 million of us obediently took the shot. And now 4,000 Americans are claiming damages from Uncle Sam amounting to $3.5 billion because of what happened when they took that shot. By far the greatest number of the claims, two-thirds of them, are for neurological damage or even death, allegedly triggered by the flu shot. We pick up the story back in 1976 when the threat posed by the swine flu virus seemed very real indeed. This virus was the cause of a pandemic in 1918 and 1919 that resulted in over half a million deaths in the United States 
as well as 20 million deaths around the world. See how easy it is to... Thus, the U.S. government's publicity machine was cranked into action to urge all America to protect itself against the swine flu menace. Influenza is serious business. During major flu epidemics, millions of people are sick and thousands die. Well, this year you can get protection. The vaccines are safe, easy to take, and they can protect you against flu. So roll up your sleeve. Protect yourself. One of those who did roll up her sleeve was Judy Roberts. She was perfectly healthy, an active woman, when in November of 1976, she took her shot. Two weeks later, she says, she began to feel a numbness starting up her legs. I joked about it at that time. I said, I'll be numb to the knees by Friday if this keeps up. By the following week, I was totally paralyzed. So completely paralyzed, in fact, that they had to operate on her to enable her to breathe. And for six months, Judy Roberts was a quadriplegic. The diagnosis? A neurological disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBS for short. These neurological diseases are little understood. They affect people in different ways. As you can see in these home movies taken by a friend, Judy Roberts' paralysis confined her mostly to a wheelchair for over a year. But this disease can even kill. Indeed, there are 300 claims now pending from the families of GBS victims who died, allegedly as a result of the swine flu shot. In other GBS victims, the crippling effects diminish and all but disappear. But for Judy Roberts, progress back to good health has been painful and partial. Now, I notice that your smile, Judy, is a little bit constricted. Yes, it is. Is it different from what it used to be? Very different. I have uh, a greatly decreased mobility in my lips. And uh, I can't drink through a straw on the right-hand side. I can't blow out birthday candles. Uh, I don't whistle anymore, for which my husband is grateful. It may be a little difficult for you to answer this question, but have you recovered as much as you are going to recover? Yes, this, this is it. So you will now have a legacy of braces on your legs for the rest of your life? Yes, the weakness in my hands will stay and the leg braces will stay. So Judy Roberts and her husband have filed a claim against the U.S. government. They're asking $12 million, though they don't expect to get nearly that much. Judy, why did you take the flu shot? I'd never taken any other flu shots, but I felt like this was going to be a major epidemic. And the only way to prevent a major epidemic of a, a really deadly variety of flu was for everybody to be immunized. Where did this so-called deadly variety of flu, where did it first hit back in 1976? It began right here at Fort Dix in New Jersey in January of that year when a number of recruits began to complain of respiratory ailments, something like the common cold. An army doctor here sent samples of their throat cultures to the New Jersey Public Health Lab to find out just what kind of bug was going around here. One of those samples was from a Private David Lewis who had left his sickbed to go on a forced march. Private Lewis had collapsed on that march, and his sergeant had revived him by mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. But the sergeant showed no signs of illness. A few days later, Private Lewis died. If this disease is so potentially fatal that it's going to kill a young, healthy man, a middle-aged schoolteacher doesn't have a prayer. The New Jersey lab identified most of those soldiers' throat cultures as the normal kind of flu virus going around that year, but they could not make out what kind of virus was in the culture from the dead soldier and from four others who were sick. 
So they sent those cultures to the Federal Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia, for further study. A few days later, they got the verdict. Swine flu. But that much-publicized outbreak of swine flu at Fort Dix involved only Private Lewis, who died, and those four other soldiers who recovered completely without the swine flu shot. If I had known at that time that the boy had been in a sickbed, got up, went out on a forced march, and then collapsed and died, I would never have taken a shot. The rationale for our recommendation was not on the basis of the death of uh, a single individual, but it was on the basis that when we do see a change in the characteristics of the influenza virus, it is a massive uh, public health problem in this country. Dr. David Sensor, then head of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, is now in private industry. He devised the swine flu program, and he pushed it. You began to give flu shots to the American people in October of 76. October 1st. By that time, how many cases of swine flu around the world had been reported? There had been uh, several reported, but none confirmed. There had been cases in... Uh, uh, Australia that were reported by the press, uh, by the news media. There were cases in... Uh, None confirmed. Did you ever uncover any other outbreaks of swine flu anywhere in the world? No. Now, nearly everyone was to receive the shot in a public health facility where a doctor might not be present. Therefore, it was up to the CDC to come up with some kind of official consent form, giving the public all the information it needed about the swine flu shot. This form stated that the swine flu vaccine had been tested. What it didn't say was that after those tests were completed, the scientists developed another vaccine. And that was the one given to most of the 46 million who took the shot. That vaccine was called X53A. Was X53A ever field tested? Uh, I, I can't say I would have to. Uh, it wasn't. I don't know. I would think that you're in charge of the program. I would have to check uh, the records. I haven't uh, looked at this in some time. The information form, the consent form, was also supposed to warn people about any risks of serious complications following the shot. But did it? No, I had never heard of any reactions other than a sore arm, fever, this sort of thing. Judy Roberts' husband, Gene, also took the shot. Yes, I looked at that document. I signed it. Nothing on there said I was going to have a heart attack or I'd get Guillain-Barre, which I'd never heard of. What if people from the government, from the Center for Disease Control, what if they had indeed known about it? What would be your feeling? They should have told us. Did anyone ever come to you and say, you know something, fellas? There's the possibility of neurological damage if you get into a mass immunization program. No. No one ever did? No. Do you know Michael Hatwick? Yes. Mm -hmm. Dr. Michael Hatwick directed the surveillance team for the swine flu program at the CDC. His job was to find out what possible complications could arise from taking the shot and to report his findings to those in charge. Did you know ahead of time, Dr. Hatwick, that there had been case reports of neurological disorders, neurological illness, apparently associated with the injection of influenza vaccine? Absolutely. You did? Yes. How'd you know that? By review of the literature. So you told your superiors, the men in charge of the swine flu immunization program, about the possibility of neurological disorders? Absolutely. 
What would you say if I told you that your superiors say that you never told them about the possibility of neurological complications? That's nonsense. I can't believe that they would say that they did not know that there were neurological illnesses associated with influenza vaccination. That simply is not true. We did know that. I've said that Dr. Hatwick has never told me of uh, his feelings on this subject. Uh, that he's lying. I guess you would have to um, make that assumption. Then why does this report from your own agency, dated July 1976, list neurological complications as a possibility. I think the uh, consensus of uh, the scientific community was that the evidence relating neurologic disorders to influenza immunization, that they did not feel that this association was a real one. You didn't feel it was necessary to tell the people that information? Uh, I think that uh, over the, the years we have tried to inform the American people as, as fully as possible. As part of informing Americans about the swine flu threat, Dr. Sensor's CDC also helped create the advertising to get the public to take the shot. Let me read to you from one of your own agency's memos planning the campaign to urge Americans to take the shot. The swine flu vaccine has been taken by many important persons, he wrote. Example, President Ford. Henry Kissinger, Elton John, Muhammad Ali, Mary Tyler Moore, Rudolf Nureyev, Walter Cronkite, Ralph Nader, Edward Kennedy, etc., etc. True? Uh, I'm not familiar with that particular piece of paper, uh, but I do know that at least of that group, President Ford did take the vaccination. Did you talk to these people beforehand to find out if they planned to take the shot? I did not know. Did anybody? I do not know. Did you get permission to use their names in your campaign? I do not know. Mary, did you take a swine flu shot? No, I did not. Did you give them permission to use your name saying that you had or were going to? Absolutely not. Never did. Did you ask your own doctor about taking the swine flu shot? Yes, and at the time he thought it might be a good idea. Um, but I resisted it because well, I was leery of having the symptoms that sometimes go with that kind of inoculation. So you didn't? No, I didn't. Have you spoken to your doctor since? Yes. And? He's delighted that I didn't take that shot. You're in charge. Somebody's in charge. There are... This is your advertising strategy that I have a copy of here. Who's it signed by? This one is unsigned. But you, you'll acknowledge that it was your baby, so to speak. It uh, could have been from the uh, Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. It could be from CDC. I don't know. I'll be happy to take uh, responsibility for it. It's been three years now since you fell ill with GBS. Right. right. Has the federal government, in your estimation, played fair with you about your claim? No, I don't think so. Uh, it seems to be dragging on and on and on. And really, no end in sight that I can see at this point. With respect to the cases of Guillaume Barre, allegedly... Former Secretary of H.E.W. Joseph Califano, too, was disturbed that there was no end in sight. So a year and a half ago, he promised that Uncle Sam would cut the bureaucratic red tape for victims suffering from GDS and would pay up quickly. We shouldn't hold them to an impossible or too difficult standard of proving that they were hurt. Even if we pay a few people a few thousand dollars that might not have deserved it, I think justice requires that we promptly pay those people who do deserve it. 
who's making the decision to be so hard-nosed about settling? Well, I assume the uh, Justice Department is. Griffin uh, Bell, before he left? Well, the Justice Department agreed to the statement I made. It was cleared word for word with the lawyers in the Justice Department by my HEW lawyers. And that statement said, in effect... That, that statement said that we should pay uh, Guillaume Beret claims without regard to whether the federal government was negligent if they, re if they resulted from the swine flu shot. I think the government knows it's wrong. If it drags out long enough, that people will just give up. <laughs> Let it go. I, I am a little more adamant in my thoughts than my wife is because... Uh, I asked, told Judy to take the shot. She wasn't going to take it, and uh, she never had had shots. And uh, I'm mad with my government because they knew the facts, but they didn't release those facts because they, if they had released them, the people wouldn't have taken it. And they can come out tomorrow and tell me there's going to be an epidemic, and they can drop off like flies next to me. I will not take another shot that my government tells me to take. Meantime, Judy Roberts and some 4,000 others like her are still waiting for their day in court. I don't need another flu shot. I had a flu shot last year. A swine flu epidemic may be coming. Swine flu shot? Well, I don't know. I've been thinking about it. It could make you very sick. Swine flu? Man, I'm too fast for them to catch me. You'll want to be protected. I'm the healthiest 55-year-old you ever seen. Hey, I play golf every weekend. Get a shot of protection. The swine flu shot. Joe brought it home from the office. He gave it to Betty and one of his kids. And to Betty's mother. But Betty's mother went back to California the next day. On her way to the airport, she gave it to a cab driver, a ticket agent, and one of the charming stewardesses. At school, Joe's kid gave it to some other kids. And Mrs. Merrill got it and gave it to her husband. In California, Betty's mother gave it to her best friend, Dottie. But Dottie had a heart condition and she died. But before she died, Dottie gave it to her girlfriend, the mailman, the paper boy, and the vet when she went to pick up her chihuahua. If a swine flu epidemic comes, this is how it could spread. You'll want to be protected, especially if you're elderly or chronically ill. Get a shot of protection. The swine flu shot.